Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of United on Wheels, United Spinal's podcast about life as a wheelchair user. I'm your host, Ian Reuter. I'm the editor of New Mobility Magazine, a United Spinal employee, and a seasoned quadriplegic with 21 years on wheels. You're listening to United on Wheels, the web's best podcast for active wheelchair users with your host, Ian Reuter. Visit our website, www.unitedspinal.org. Before I introduce this week's guest, I want you to imagine riding 60 miles in a wheelchair in one day. Now imagine doing that every day for slightly over two months, with many of those miles coming on busy roads and freeways. If you're like me, all you can think about is how tired you'd be at the end of every day and what could possibly motivate someone to embark on such lunacy. That's what I'll be asking Yanni Corey, today's guest. Yanni is the president and founder of Next Step, an internationally recognized nonprofit dedicated to providing state-of-the-art rehab and fitness for people living with paralysis. Yanni, a quadriplegic himself, started Next Step over 10 years ago, and there are now seven paralysis recovery centers nationwide and another one opening abroad. On March 10th, he set off from his home in Los Angeles to ride all the way to Washington, D.C. to raise awareness about the needs of people living with spinal cord injury and to raise funds to support Next Step's ongoing efforts. He was kind enough to find some time to chat with me on a rare day off. Uh, hey man, uh, thanks so much for agreeing to do this and working into your schedule. I appreciate it. Um, and I got a lot going on, so. No, absolutely. Thank you, guys. So, to start off, where are you joining us from today? I'm joining you from uh, Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City. I've been following your exploits on Strava, and looks like you're going about 60 miles a day or so. Yeah, plus or minus 60 is the average of the trip, and I think we're at about uh, almost 1450 or 1500 miles or so. Man, I've uh, I've listened to a bunch of podcasts. Other people have interviewed you, and you know everyone's like, "Oh, this is so inspiring and so amazing what you're doing," and that totally is on every count. But I'll tell you what, as a fellow quad, the first thing that I think is you are a crazy person. Like, <laughs> I'm like, this is an insane journey, and I cannot imagine uh, doing this. So tell me what would make someone, a sane person ostensibly, want to do this and why you're doing it. Um, well, you know, obviously I uh, started my nonprofit Next Step 10 years ago, and, um, you know, we build state-of-the-art progressive and affordable paralysis recovery centers around the United States. And right now we have seven centers, and you know our goal has always been to expand to communities across the country and to raise awareness about the issues that the six million Americans living with paralysis face on a day-to-day basis. And then about two years ago, I had a group of friends ride their bikes from Denver to Los Angeles to raise money for us, and they raised about $150,000, and that all went towards a wounded veterans scholarship fund, and. Um, when they arrived in L.A., um, you know, just seeing the smile on their faces and after talking with them at dinner and over the next couple of days, just how much fun they had and just, uh, you know, all the amazing people they met along the way and just being able to see the country for some, from such a unique perspective um, and at the same time make a big impact. I just, uh, I've been in there. I was like already bummed that I wasn't part of that trip um, and I knew I needed to do something similar and i've always been you know had an adventurous spirit and um you know so they really kind of 
uh, inspired me to do this. And you know, that's kind of when the idea came to mind. It's like, well, why don't we do the same thing, but do it across the U.S.? I mean, I live in Manhattan Beach, and that's where I got injured. And I went to school at Georgetown in D.C. So why don't we go from Manhattan Beach, you know, to Georgetown, to the nation's capital? And uh, that's kind of how it all started. And I didn't know how we were going to do it. Um, and then we kind of figured that out as we went. <laughs> Definitely. So for people who don't know, uh, can you provide some more details about what Next Step is and what makes it different from other uh, nonprofits and other uh, people who are doing the kind of rehab stuff that you're doing? Yeah, so I'm very fortunate. Um, I got to do my rehab under Dr. Susan Harkema at Fraser Rehab in Louisville. And I had an amazing experience. I had really good insurance. So I was able to stay there for an entire year. And I, was, I believe I was the first inpatient ever to do locomotive therapy and um, everything else you know, that they offered there at Fraser. And after a few months, I was able to, I was starting to wiggle my toe, which was far beyond what the doctors ever said I'd be able to do. You know, they told me I had no hope for recovery. And I just had an incredible experience there. My recovery went, you know, um, all things considered, extremely well. Um, but I knew I didn't want to stay in Louisville for my entire life. I wanted to move back home to California. But there was nothing like there, nothing like that in California. So um, we approached uh, Dr. Harkema and the Reed Foundation. Um, I don't know you can the Reed Foundation has an arm called the Neuro Recovery Network, which initially was a consortium of the five top hospital-based rehab centers. Um, and they really came together in order to, you know, figure out this the paralysis problem. How can we work together on research, collecting data, uh, come up with best practices, not only with, uh, you know, the interventions and protocols, but um, just admin and all of that. Um, so I approached them about starting a community arm to that network. So um, basically all we did was we took what they offered at the best hospital-based rehab centers out of the hospital and put it into a community setting so when your insurance drops you, you can still have access to that amazing rehab and fitness for your entire life. You really want it to be a seamless transition. So basically everything that you're able to do in the hospital setting, you can now do in a community setting as well. Um, so that's where we opened the first facility in L.A. Uh, it's been ten and a half years ago. And then over the past few years, we've expanded to six other cities. And then we actually recently just opened our eighth facility, our first international facility in Ukraine. You made that sound really simple when you said, you know, we just took this stuff out of the hospitals and opened it up in the community. But I know that that's an incredibly difficult process. And a lot of people have tried to do that with limited or no success. So what made you guys, what enabled you guys to succeed where others have failed? Well, I think, um, well, first, I had a lot of support. You know, we had a lot of people involved. It's not something that, you know, I personally did. Uh, we have, you know, my, sis, my, my sister-in-law, Tracy Sable, and she, uh, a lot while my wife and I were still in Louisville, and, uh, you know, started the hiring process and finding the, the space. And, you know, my wife, uh, you know, basically, in essence, with my sister-in-law, wrote the business plan, um, worked very closely with Dr. Hark from the Reed Foundation, um, in order to figure out the best type of model. So we didn't really, you know, we didn't reinvent the wheel. We literally looked look at what they offered at Frazier and just figure out a way to offer the same thing in a community model. Um, and also had an amazing board of directors and just friends and supporters all around that helped us raise the initial money to get off the ground. And the reality is there was such a huge need for it in L.A. that we never had to spend any time or money marketing it. You know, the second we opened the doors, 
we were full. And it's been like that since we started our facility in Los Angeles. Um, and also really, I believe what sets us apart is the training and education that we provide to our staff through the Neurorecovery Network. Um, so the services that we offer, you know, they work and our clients are seeing great results. Um, so that's at the end of the day what it is. It comes down to the training and the trainers that we have. That's why we've been successful. And also, obviously, we've been able to uh, fundraise fairly effectively. Yeah, I was going to say, I know secondary rehab can be really expensive. And it looks like you guys have made a real concerted effort to uh, reduce those costs or provide scholarships where, where you can. How, how do you do that? What, what's the process like if someone wants to uh, come check out a next step but doesn't think they can afford it? Yes, yeah, so our Los Angeles facility, we charge about 30% of what it costs us to have somebody in there. And the reason for that is we want to make um, our services available to anybody from any socioeconomic class. Everybody should have access to great health care um, and the services that we offer. So we just put it on ourselves to raise um, the money to subsidize um, the vast majority of our membership fees. They're still not, you know, they're still, you know, somewhat expensive. Um, but we're trying to do our best to keep our costs down um, as much as possible. We're not doing this to make any money. The whole goal is to help as many people as possible and keep it as affordable as possible. Um, obviously, you need to be sustainable as an organization, but, um, you know, hopefully one day insurance, that's our, our primary goal is to get insurance companies to start covering these services so, you know, our clients don't have to pay um, much out of pocket. Definitely. Can you walk me through maybe what, uh, not, there's no typical session, but what a session would look like for me as a quad if I come in and want to start doing stuff with you? Yeah, so we, uh, um, we have a bunch of different memberships, and the way it starts out is you'd come in and we do a 90-minute evaluation with you, assess, assess where you are um, in your recovery. It's extremely comprehensive um, evaluation. We use what's called the Neuro Recovery Scale that was developed by Dr. Harkema, the Reed Foundation, the Neuro Recovery Network. So we know where you are um, at all stages of recovery. You know, you're sitting, your board reaching grasp, you're standing, your back extensions, you're, um, you know, you sit, you sit up and kind of a million different things. And then from that, um, obviously in speaking with you as well, our staff will recommend a program for you. And then, you know, you'll evaluate our recommendation from there, we will put together, um, we will decide what type of membership you'd want to do. So we offer um, everything falls under the umbrella of activity-based therapy. Um, so, and within that is locomotive therapy, neuromuscular stimulation, functional stimulation, and then just what we call guided exercise where you walk it working one-on-one, two-on-one, or three-on-one, depending on your situation with our staff, um, with our activity-based therapists. Um, doing overground training, and uh, and then also all of our memberships include um, full access to the facility, so you can come to the facility 24/7 and work out by yourself when you're open, um, if you want. And that's what a lot of people do. A lot of people be there, you know, six hours a day, three, four, five days a week. Um, so we really want people to provide people with um, the opportunity to get as much as they can out of the facility as possible. But I'll say the average. So I would say the average person uh, is in there three times a week for two hours. That's great. How many members do you guys have, like, say, for your L.A. facility or nationwide? Yeah, our L.A. facility, we have uh, just over 50, and nationwide we're probably around 400 or so right now. 
and do the other seven uh, I guess what do you what would be the right term gyms you call them what do you how do you what do you refer oh, to them as? paralysis recovery centers paralysis recovery centers do the other seven all function the same or are they run differently or they all uh, run a little bit differently um, obviously we're in different cities and they can operate a little bit differently but uh, some of them are uh, charge monthly memberships and a few others charge uh, hourly uh, so everybody's a little bit different um, and they're actually each facility acts as their own nonprofit um, so we are all we're all under the next step, step umbrella, and we all work extremely closely together. And we offer um, not all the facilities offer locomotive therapy, but they offer the other services we provide. Um, and uh, but they we all go through the same training, same education. We have the same interventions. And really trying to create these standardized practices. So when you go from you know the hospital-based neurocovery network center to a community-based NRN facility like a next step. It's a seamless transition, and you know what you're getting. And the staff has been trained by, uh, you know, the same folks who, uh, you know, talk to talk, talk the same talk. Gotcha. Um, I would definitely want to come back later and get all the details for people who are interested so they can find out how to sign up or how to get more information. But before we do that, I want to talk some more about, you know, your, uh, your journey right now and all the stuff that you've been doing this last month. Uh, how are you holding up, man? I mean, this is a pretty intense, a pretty intense four or five weeks. Yeah, so we've uh, we left on March 10th, and uh, I'm not sure what day it is. You kind of start losing track of days and dates. Um, but yeah, I think we've been on the road for yeah just over four weeks, and um, we now it's been nice because we took we rode yesterday, but we've had this is um, we've given ourselves two days off because uh, we're about about at the, at the halfway point right now. But amazingly, I've been my body actually feels great, and um, to be honest, I'm pretty shocked by that. But I've made sure to take care of myself. Uh, you know, I'm in, I use both my permobile at five um, and as well as a bowhead reach, which is like a low-to-the-ground electric trike. And uh, they're, you know, they're both extremely comfortable. And But also I've been working out using my, uh, using a new step that they sponsored and a Galileo vibration plate. I've been doing a lot of that. And uh, as well as standing in my permobile at five every day, and I've also got a massager that I've been using. So I've been making sure that before the ride, after the ride, and during the ride, I'm uh, being very attentive to my body and staying healthy and continuing to exercise. Um, uh, so, yeah, eating right and, uh, yeah, I'm getting my sleep in. So I feel good, though. I feel really good. And, you know, honestly, it's just – it's uh, they're long days. I kind of equate it to skiing. Um, I used to be – I don't know if ski used to ski in the past or still do, but – um, you know, you're exhausted at the end of the day. Uh, all you want to do is eat uh, and go to bed. And then, uh, so but I feel good. I feel good. And it's every day is a new challenge. And I think for me, it's been more mental than physical. Um, obviously, you're exhausted, but mentally, it's, the, it's definitely more challenging because you have to do it every single day. You have to get back out there and ride another 60 miles. And every day around in every corner, there's something else goes wrong. And <laughs> Um, so that could be challenging. So I, mean, I know there's a lot, of, a lot of logistics planning that goes into this, and I imagine you've got a, a good crew with you. Tell me about the people that are supporting you and, and how you're able to actually pull this off day to day. Yeah, I'm extremely fortunate. Um, I've got a uh, – his name is Moose, Nick Good, who's part of Fresh Air Crew Film, who's filming documentary as well on this. But he is, uh, you know, our, our mothership, our MacGyver, our, our Lord and Savior. <laughs> he uh, – He's, he's 
So he's driving, he's driving the uh, vulnerability van next to them. And uh, so, yeah, he's driving and also been our, our mechanic and our, um, you know, when we get flats, he uh, switches out our tubes and gets us out of uh, scary situations when we're stuck. And, uh, and that's happened quite a few times. So I have an amazing support. Uh, thanks to him for being such a tremendous support factor. And my good buddy, Anderson Bell, who's riding his bike all the way from Manhattan Beach to D.C. with me. And, uh, and I've got my nurse with me as well. So that's kind of like the core four of us. And then also every leg, every major city, a group of friends comes and rides to the next major city on their bikes. Um, so that's been amazing. Um, so pretty much we've always had anywhere from uh, six to seven to you know, eight people with us on the road. So we've got a great support network uh, along the journey. With they obviously, we really didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. When we started. <laughs> just kind of thought like, oh, yeah, we'll just you know, ride for the day. We'll get out with the wheelchair and the uh, you know, in the trailer, and we'll do that over again, do it over again the next day. And but this uh, it's presented a lot more challenges than we ever expected. But you know, we made it this far, and hope to make it all the way to DC. Yeah, give me some of the challenges. Uh, what are some of the unexpected things that have popped up that you've had to deal with? Well, we really only started planning this like mid-December. Um, that's when my our board finally approved it. So, and we left you know March 10th. So we it was a quick. Uh, it was a quick turnaround once we said we're going to do it to actually doing it. So, and I've never done a trip like this, so I didn't really all understand all the technical aspects that went into it. But yeah, I mean, tons of flat tires. Um, and when you get a flat tire on the side of the 10 highway with, you know, semis going yeah. 50 miles an hour next to you, 10 you know, 10 feet away, it can be pretty terrifying. Uh-huh. Um, and then also just the navigation. Just you know, we've been, you know, we've had days where we've gone. 10, 12 miles detours because of road closures or you get somewhere and it's a gravel dirt road, you know, up the Rockies or whatever it may be um, that we can't get through. And so there's been a lot of, and then we get to areas where um, moose can't get there with our van and our trailer. So we're stuck in the middle of nowhere and somebody's got a flat and they end up having to hike out of it. Or, so it's uh, just a million different things like that. We've been knock on wood, extremely fortunate with weather so far. Um, we haven't had any rain, and uh, it's been, you know, cold some days and pretty hot some days. But other than that, we've been uh, very fortunate. But, you know, it's it's just such a good time, and I'm honestly having the time of my life just because – and every week it's a new group, batch of close friends that come, so they bring in a whole new energy and uh, spirit to the whole thing. So, And every day we're seeing, you know, seeing new things and meeting new people, so it just it keeps you going. Yeah, definitely. Are you keeping a, a running count on how many tires you blow out or how many how many times you have to stop to charge or anything like that? Yeah, so I've been uh, – I, I don't know. I don't think we've counted the, the tires, but it's been, quite a, it's been quite a lot. The team's actually at a bike shop right now buying more spare <laughs> tubes. But, uh, no, my the, the, my permobile and the bow had held up great. Um, you know, I've had some just, you know, some overheating issues, so I just have to – when it's extremely hot and, you know, I'm really riding this thing. Uh, extreme, you know, we went over the Rockies and one three-day step stretch we did um, over 15,000 feet and climbing uphill. So yeah. I'm, putting, I'm putting these chairs to the test, but they've been holding up great. And it's just little things, you know, that, you know, that come. And so if you're going 30 miles an hour downhill and you, you know, 
all of a sudden there's a huge pothole that you, you know, smash into. Uh, that'll pause if you get in a flat there pretty good. So, yeah. But I've, I've definitely, I've definitely learned along the way, you know, how to uh, treat the chairs and, uh, you know, how, how to ride them and what to do and what not to do. But it's a learning process, you know. How do you divvy up the, the each day's ride between the two chairs? Do you, do, you, do you map that out, or is it just kind of a gut feeling? Or Yeah, so typically I'll start kind of depending where – if we're in a big city, I, I'll typically ride out of the city in my mobile, and then once we kind of get on the open roads, then I'll hop in the bowhead um, and ride that. And then once I get to the next city or town, I'll hop back in the in the mobile and uh, ride the rest of the way there in that. So when I'm on the I'm on dirt roads, gravel roads, or on the highways – Kind of like the long stretches, I'll ride the bowhead just because um, I mean, I'm able to go much faster and keep up with yeah. the bike riders. Yeah. Um, and then the, the permobiles, the cities and the towns. And if, uh, you know, there have been times when I'll be riding into the city or town and 10 miles before it, I'll get a flat and it's getting it's getting dark. So I'll just hop into the permobile and we'll throw the bowhead in the back of the trailer and I'll ride the rest of the way in the permobile and we'll fix the tire, you know, the flat. At the hotel motel that night. No, that's really cool. Uh, you mentioned some of the, the obstacles and sort of the difficulties, but what have been some of the highlights? I saw a photo with Steve Na- or a photo of Steve Nash. I saw you were at an Oklahoma City Thunder game. What else? What other fun stuff have you done? Um, well, just other than just the the beautiful scenery that we've gone to go through, you know, with the painted desert and um, you know Joshua Tree and going over the Rockies and New Mexico and you know. Oh, even though I thought Oklahoma, like all the farmlands was gorgeous, and for taking these like country roads that you never normally drive down, and when you're driving, you miss so much because you're going fast. When you're low to the ground, you actually you know all the animals that we see, and um, just so much different stuff that you never notice when you're driving through. So it's great to kind of, and then just all the all the little towns that we're going through, it's pretty mind blowing. Uh, but yeah, the uh, amazing opportunity to throw out the first pitch at the Cincinnati. Reds Royals game, spring training game. Um, so that was uh, that was a blast. And crazy story about that is I threw out the first pitch, and then in the ninth inning I got direct hit to the head with a home run. <laughs> really? The, uh, yeah, I was in the right field and uh, straight shot to the head. But are you we okay? That had to hurt. Yeah, I was really lucky because about. Probably 10 feet before the ball hit my head, I saw it, and I just was able to duck a little bit, so it skimmed off the top of my head. And it was more like a really bad – it took a bunch of skin and hair off. Um, it was more like a really bad rug burn. Um, but, yeah, the, their medical staff uh, gave a look and no concussion or anything, only a little bit of blood. But, anyways, it was a funny story. And then uh, out here in Oklahoma City, um, so thanks to the Reds for that opportunity. And, uh, here in Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma City Thunder invited my team to go to the game and uh, um, check out you know, the shoot around before and got to roll in with uh, Rumble, their mascot. Uh, we had a little race here, this four wheeler, and uh, United Spinal was kind to invite some of their local members to come watch the game with us. And, and then uh, I got to give out the, uh, the game ball just before tip-off. So that was, that was amazing. And then we also threw a uh, charity event in Scottsdale and got to give out a quality of life grant there to our next step facility. And uh, so that was wonderful. And we've got a bunch of different events coming up along the way. And so that's been, uh, it's been really great. And just also, you know, 
we could be at a post office or on the side of the road and people are constantly coming up to talking to us and sharing their stories and lots of people have shared their stories um, in regards to their disability with somebody in their family who's got a spinal cord injury or brain injury or whatever it may be and um, just to see how they're moved by what we're doing has been it's been uh, you know really inspiring but also in a lot of cases it's been quite sad to hear their stories as well because you know some of these people live in the middle of nowhere and they don't have access to anything like next step or really any type of other services to help them out so it's uh, um, you know that's kind of tough to hear and you know, hopefully one day you know we'll be all around the country and can help those those type of folks out yeah definitely I was gonna, gonna ask about that because you know you're obviously out there to raise funds for the next step and you know raise awareness also but in general you're also just raising awareness about you know what people with spinal cord injuries and disorders and brain injuries and such are dealing with and uh, I'm sure you're having some some impactful conversations any that have really stood out to you oh man that's a good question um yeah I mean I just think what really stands out still to me is the lack of resources that are available in like major cities across the country and obviously in the small communities it's it's even even more challenging but yeah we still we still have a long way to go you know and uh, I think and I'm excited to be you know have a lot of amazing partners on this journey including United Spinal and you know Vets First and among many others um, uh, just because I think there are a lot of organizations that are working on solving this problem but we're not working together as much as we should be um, you know this is not something that um, you know, next step is going to solve alone, or um, United Spinal, or you know anybody else. Every kind of going to solve solve on their own. We all really got to come together and uh, work together to make sure that people get the resources, resources and services that they need and deserve to live healthy lives. Uh, I just still think there's too much fragmentation. Yeah, definitely. Before I give you a chance to plug all your stuff, uh, I, I wanted you to t tell tell everybody about. Uh, what Sisu means, because I see it everywhere, and I, I read about it. But for people who don't know, give us the back, give us the backstory. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a native Finn um, from Finland, and uh, Sisu is, you know, part of the Finnish culture. And uh, in essence, there's no true definition to it. Um, but basically, the way I define it is uh, three ways: it's courage in the face of adversity, um, never complaining in the face of adversity, and then acting rationally in the face of adversity. So that's basically been, you know, my motto since I had my injury and something that um, is the motto for next step and something that we try to instill in all of our clients and the people that we meet. Um, so that's kind of what I look to every day and I get a tattoo on my arm to make sure that, you know, it's, you know, and it's really, it's, it's a, uh, um, it's a way of life. It's not like momentary, momentary courage. So it's, uh, it's something that I just try to live by every day, and it's definitely something that's helped me through this journey when we're dealing with those tough times, when you want to get frustrated when you're on the side of the road dealing with four clouds in a day, and you're tired and exhausted, and uh, you've been out there for nine hours. And um, So, yeah, that's definitely what's you know, helped me throughout the years, and uh, yeah, it's helping me along the way now. Uh, it's been really fun uh, reading up about all the stuff you're doing and seeing the impact that Next Step and you are having, and uh, and honestly, just living through your uh, vicariously through your trip across the country is pretty enjoyable. How can people who want to find out more about Next Step or more about uh, your ride uh, find you on the web or elsewhere? What are the best places for them to go? 
Yeah, so nextstepfitness.org is our website, um, and then there's a bunch of links there for the ride. We've got a, um, we've got the, it's also nextstepfitness.org backslash ride for paralysis. Um, you can find all the information on there. If you want to get involved, go to rideforparalysis.org, um, and you can donate there. You can join us on the road. And we also recently just launched a new challenge called the 2900 Challenge. So basically people are doing one rep of an exercise for, of their choice for every mile that we're riding across the country. Um, so basically it's 2,900 reps of an exercise by the time we get to D.C. on May 15th. So if you go to rideforparalysis.org, you can find our team page there for that. Um, and outside of that, you can follow us on social media at NextStepLA um, on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, we're posting that constantly. And my personal uh, Instagram is Cali. C-A-L-I-F-I-N-N. That's awesome. And lastly, if it, like, say I live somewhere where there's no next step facility close by, but I'm interested and I, you know, I, I want to find out more, maybe talk to you about starting up one where I live. Is there a, a way to do that or someone to reach out to? What's the best way to go? Yeah, you can, uh, I mean, you can reach out directly to me um, on Facebook or uh, on Instagram. Um, I'm happy to talk with anybody that's looking uh, to do that and, Obviously, you can just call our office at 310-546-5666 and speak with our amazing business manager, Jill, there, our director, Joel Wenger. Um, you can speak with them, and, but I'm always, uh, I'm always happy to speak with anybody who wants to get involved and figure out how to bring some resources and services to their, to their community. Um, that's been our goal since day one, and uh, we are looking. I personally can't bring next step to every community, so we are always looking to partner with other like-minded individuals and organizations to do so. Yeah. Well, Yanni, it's awesome. Uh, again, congratulations on everything. Looking forward to uh, following the rest of your ride and hopefully getting a chance to see you uh, in D.C. in a little bit. And uh, Yeah, congratulations and keep it up. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, for sure. United on Wheels, improving quality of life for wheelchair users one day at a time. Connect with United Spinal on Twitter via United Spinal. Follow United Spinal Association on Facebook. Visit our website, www.unitedspinal.org.